Lost in 
anybody here tonight that deeply, deeply appreciates the amazing love of God? Would you worship the Lord one more time all across the building? Let's praise Him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, we worship you. God, we worship you. God, we worship you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. There's a wonderful, wonderful presence of the Lord here tonight. And how amazing is our junior varsity band tonight? Didn't they do amazing? Thank you all. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank the Lord. Absolutely amazing. Thank the Lord. While you remain standing, we want to go to the Lord in prayer tonight. We have several requests to bring to you. And uh, uh, I'd like for us tonight to pray for Brady Fastbinder. This is Marty's little boy. He's been in the hospital since Monday. And uh, uh, has some, some few little issues that are, that are going on. And uh, Marty asked that we would remember him in prayer tonight, if you would. And uh, also, Shawan Palmer uh, had actually knee replacement surgery today. But Chuck texted me a little while ago and said two hours after surgery, they had her up walking around and uh, minimal pain and what have you. We have awesome technology. We all know that and appreciate that. But we also have a God that is just amazing out of this world. And I thank God for his hand manifested in our lives. Thank the Lord. And then if we could pray for the Azuna family. Uh, we wanted to mention this Sunday, but the service ran away with us. But uh, Brother and Sister Azuna pastors of Hispanic work here in Central. And um, uh, they buried their 17-year-old son this week. And I'd like for us to pray for them. Please pray for them. And ask, let's pray tonight for a moment. Uh, I mentioned it in our, our church-wide prayer a week or so ago. That uh, this, this cycle we're in right now just seems like just to make it a week without a tragedy is, uh, is becoming more and more difficult. And I'd like for us to pray that God would just step in and intervene in a sovereign way. I prayed the other day, actually, actually it was last Thursday, I prayed, God, if you're saying something to me, I don't understand it, could you say it in a different way? I'm not sure I meant what I meant by that. I can tell you this, I don't mean for things to get worse, but just say it in another way that we can hear what the voice of God is trying to say to us. So if you would tonight, let's carry these needs to the Lord in prayer. Pray fervently and sincerely. In Jesus' name, God, we ask you tonight that you would intervene on behalf of these needs. We pray for Brady right now, that you would touch his body, heal his body. Pray in the name of the Lord. You filled him up with the Holy Ghost just a few weeks ago, and his spirit still resides on the inside of him. And I pray that you would minister to him in Jesus' name. We pray for Schwann tonight, that the success of all of this continues in her body. I pray, God, that you give her a quick and speedy recovery. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. And God bless the Azuna family. God, I can't imagine the pain and the hurt that this family must be feeling. And I pray, God, that you would comfort them, that you would minister to them in this time and hour of need. We ask it in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. Thank the Lord. Clap your hands and praise to the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And all of our wonderful kids and kids' church, you're dismissed. They wanted to come in and uh, be a part of 
what was going on with our JV band tonight. And I want to say again how much I appreciate the sacrifice and the effort that Jonathan Grohn has put in to these four boys. And uh, he's recognizing talent and ability. I'm very, very thankful. I'm supremely thankful for that tonight. And I want to thank Jonathan for his work with them, his patience. And I believe we're going to be very, very thankful here in a few months that he did all of that. I thank the parents that drive them, their kids up here every Sunday evening uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks before they can play. I want to thank our parents for doing that, investing in your kids. It's a great thing. You may be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. I'd like to make a few announcements before Brother Jason comes to speak to us tonight. Remember this coming Saturday is our November the 13th is an election. And... Uh, uh, remember that, check the local newspapers, what have you, for the things that are on the ballot. Be prepared to vote. Uh, as you all know, Grace is a, is a polling place. Uh, also, mark your calendar. Um, Sunday, December the 19th, will be our annual Christmas service uh, at 11 a.m. And uh, you certainly don't want to miss that. And as you come that Sunday, please be prepared to give in our annual Christmas for Christ offering. Uh, that God would bless and uh, just really help and minister to all of our church planters across our country. We've also been announcing this, and the reason we announce it over and over and over, as a matter of fact, I don't know why we announce it at all, because invariably when we make this announcement over and over and over, there's always somebody who'll call the church office and or contact Sister Murph about mid-January and say we didn't get our financial statement. Well, we mailed it out to you, and it was returned back to the church because your address changed. And they say, oh, and I didn't give you all our new address? No, because had you given it to us, you would have gotten your financial statement from the church. And everybody said amen. Does that make sense? So if you have moved this year, please give us your updated uh, address and what have you. Uh, turn that into the church office. We'll plug it into the system. And you'll get your financial statement depending on the quality and the consistency of our postal service. Because I've ordered stuff and I never got it either. So, but sometimes it happens. But it's not the sender's fault and I didn't move. So it's on that person in between right there. That, anyway, love Brother Jason Cooper, wonderful man of God. He loves God, he loves the kingdom. And he just kind of said real passionately a few moments ago before service started, he said, I am loaded for tonight. So I'm going to ask you to open your heart, open your mind, your Bibles, and let the Spirit of the Lord talk to you tonight as Brother Jason comes to speak to us tonight. Praise the Lord. That wasn't too bad. Get myself situated here. Um, yes, I told Brother Murphy moments ago that I'm loaded for bear tonight. I'll, I'll make a few remarks about that before I do. Uh, he dismissed our student, our, our children for children's church, and half the church left. Did y'all notice that? It's it's a lot of them. A lot of them. That's awesome. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned uh, that y'all aren't going to like anything I have to say tonight. 
and it's not because it's bad material. Um, I think it's actually pretty good. It's very practical. Uh, it's just kind of tough, kind of hard, you know. And I'm not going to be mean, uh, but I am going to ask some tough questions tonight. But based on the Real ID series that we've been in in the adult Sunday school class for the past nine weeks, and then um, my message, Faith to Finish, from Sunday before last, um, and then Brother Ben Tears lesson this past Wednesday night about trusting the potter's plan, which was excellent. Uh, fully endorse that and suggest if you did not hear it that you go and give it a listen because it was awesome. And in a lot of ways, I felt like it was a reply to the message from Sunday. Um, but based on all of that, I feel like the hard questions that I'll ask tonight are perfectly in order and right in line with what we've been hearing lately. So let me assure you that once again, I am the primary target of tonight's lesson. Uh, I am teaching this lesson to me first. So if anything I say tonight offends you or steps on your toes, I want you to know that my toes were bruised first, and I have been offended at myself since Monday. So uh, if, if you don't like it, then just jump on board the Jason train, because some of it's been a little hard for me, too. Let's read some Bible. You can just stay seated. We're going to use this as a launching point tonight, and then uh, after our scripture text, we'll spend the most of our time tonight right back in Hebrews 11, that hall of faith, and specifically looking at Moses. But let's look at what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. In the King James, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and all of the works that are therein shall be burned up. Help us, Jesus. This stuff isn't going to last, y'all. None of it's going to last. You have the word telling you that. It's not going to last. Verse 11 says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? I want you to look at your favorite, favorite neighbor. Look at your favorite neighbor and ask him, what kind of person are you? What kind of person are you? What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? The Living Bible translates verse 11 as, since everything around us is going to melt away, what holy, godly lives we should be living so tonight, basing out of 2 Peter and 3 and going, like I said, to Hebrews 11, we're going to look at this topic, Access Destiny, four resolutions to open your future. That's a weighty title, and we have a ways to go tonight. Jesus likes it when you write things down. It'd be a good idea to take some notes. Now, y'all might know this already, but... Um, your commitments shape your life. Your commitments shape your life. I want to introduce my topic tonight with an introduction. I'd like to introduce you to somebody. Some of you will know who this guy is, uh, but I bet there's a few in here that don't. I want to introduce you to Jerry Rice, NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver. Jerry Rice played for 20 seasons in the NFL from 
1984 to 2004. It's been almost 20 years, fellas, since Jerry Rice retired. No wide receiver in NFL history has played more than Jerry Rice's 20 seasons. During those 20 seasons, Rice led the NFL in receiving yards six times, including an NFL record of 1,848 yards in 1995. He also led the league in touchdown receptions during six seasons. His career records that still stand today, almost 20 years later, include most career receptions, 1,549, most career receiving yards, 22,895, most 1,000-yard receiving seasons with 14, most total touchdowns with 208, and most combined net yards of any player, 23,546. Rice played in eight conference championships and four Super Bowls, and he earned three Super Bowl rings with the San Francisco 49ers. Boom. He was named Super Bowl MVP of Super Bowl 23, named first-team All-Pro in 11 consecutive seasons, and then voted to the Pro Bowl 13 times. Common language used to describe Jerry Rice would include the greatest NFL receiver of all time and one of the greatest NFL players to ever play the game. Jerry Rice is truly something special as a football player, and here's why. This is a secret. Uh, in July of 1995, the New York Times ran an article written by Mike Freeman in which he described a typical non-team workout for Jerry Rice. Just an average workout on any day of the year for Rice, who was 32 years old at the time. Listen to this. His daily workout, 20 minutes of warm-ups and stretching. Then he would run 14 100-yard accelerators with no rest in between. Followed that by another hour of running hills, stadiums, agility drills, and pyramids. Then he would drive to the gym, where he would spend two and a half hours with weight training, and then after that, 45 minutes on the Stairmaster. And this wasn't training camp. This wasn't trying to get in, in shape for the season. This was just an average day's workout for Jerry Rice. And when he was asked about his rigorous training regimen and all of the hours of practice that he put in outside of what the team required, this is what Rice said. It's one of my favorite quotes. I love it. He said, today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can do what others can't. Rice went on to say, I don't think I'm such a natural. I think what I'm doing is very hard work. I work hard to keep in shape. I work hard on the practice field, and I work hard in the game. Cornerbacks are the best athletes on the team, and they wouldn't be out there if they weren't. Those are the guys I have to beat. Those are the guys I go up against. It isn't easy. So while I'm not holding Jerry Rice up to you tonight as some shining example of morality or godliness, I certainly am holding him up to you as an example of the power of resolution and commitment and the, the role that they play in opening your future and allowing to walk you into your purpose and your destiny and the thing that God designed you for. Destiny, Grace Church, is hard work. Living according to your identity takes effort. We've all heard the quote from Thomas Edison where he said, success is 10% 10, 10 inspiration and 90% perspiration. So if you want to open your future, if you want to access your destiny, if you want to become 
who and what God designed and called you to be, it's going to take resolution. It's going to take commitment. I don't care how naturally gifted you are. I, I don't care how talented and smart you are or how charismatic you are, how wealthy you are, how connected you are. Those things will certainly open some doors for you. They do have that ability, but it's going to take the character and the integrity that are shown through resolution and commitment to keep you moving forward. Your commitments shape your life more than anything else. Not your talents, not what you have, your commitments. And your commitments can develop you or they can destroy you, but either way, they will define you. You tell me what you're committed to, and I'll tell you who you'll be in 20 years. Because what, whatever we're committed to is what we become. And you know, I've, I think I've come to realize that commitment is the point where people tend to miss God's purpose for their lives most often. It's not that they don't know what it is or that God doesn't tell them. More often than not, when people miss God's purpose, it has more to do with a lack of commitment than it does with a lack of knowledge. Because it's easier to drift, isn't it? It is. It's easier to drift. It's easier to drift than to swim on purpose. So people drift through life and never wind up anywhere on purpose. So here's the first tough question of the evening. Based on your commitments right now, not what you intend, not what you hope to do in the future, not what you know you should be doing, based on your commitments right now, what might people assume about your direction? I'm going to let you think about that for just a minute. Based on your commitments right now, what might people assume about, about your direction? Are you drifting? Are you winging it? Just clucking along, hoping things work out all right? I, that's not a good plan. That's not a good plan. But maybe you're not drifting. Maybe you're just, uh, maybe you're just giving half-hearted effort to competing values. And if that's the case, it's no wonder that you feel stuck and like you're not progressing because you're living half-hearted and half-brained. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. Or maybe you're just sold out completely to the world and not giving Jesus and his plan for your life a second thought. And if that's the case, then it's no wonder that you're hurting and frustrated because that's not what he designed you for. So let me ask you another question. Who wants to be like Jesus? Some of you didn't raise your hand. Who wants to be like Jesus? It's a loaded question. It is, because Christ-likeness comes from Christ-like commitments. Christ-likeness comes from making Christ-like resolutions. You want to be like Jesus? Then you'll have Christ-like commitments. You want to be like Jesus? You will have Christ-like resolutions. If you... I want you to be able to access your destiny. I want to be able to access mine. I want you to be able to move forward into the plan and purpose that God has for your life. I want to move forward into the plan and purpose he has for mine. With that in mind, tonight I would like for us to take a little bit of time and look at a guy from the Old Testament named Moses. And Moses is going to show us four resolutions 
that will open your future. And here's the first one. Resolution number one, focus on pleasing God, not people. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 4 in the New Living Translation says, Our purpose is to please God, not people. That's pretty straightforward. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Let's go ahead and settle something right now. Even Jesus couldn't please everybody. What makes you think you're going to be able to do it? Even Jesus couldn't do it. It's impossible. God did not make you to be what somebody else wants you to be. God didn't make you to be what your parents want you to be. He didn't make you to be what your boyfriend or girlfriend wants you to be. He didn't make you to be what your spouse wants you to be or your boss or your friends or your colleagues. God made you to be you. He made you for his purpose according to his plan. And if you're going to open your future and realize your potential, at some point you're going to have to deal with the issue of allowing yourself to be defined by others. You're going to have to refuse some definitions that come from other people. Moses had to. In Hebrews eleven twenty four. it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses had a bit of an identity crisis. See, he was born as a Hebrew slave, but he was raised as Egyptian royalty. He was born the son of Amram and Jochebed, but he was raised as the grandson of Pharaoh. And when Moses grew up, he faced two options. He could keep pretending to be Pharaoh's grandson and probably live the rest of his life in luxury with fame and with power, or he could admit who he really was. A Hebrew. Understanding that if he admitted who he really was, there was a chance that he might have to live with the slaves the rest of his life. He might be disgraced and humiliated and potentially live a life of pain and want. I wonder if we were put in Moses' position, which would we choose? But he refused to live a lie. You know, a lot of people today are living lies. They're trying to be people that they are not. They are trying to be something other than what God designed them to be. Social media, that's all the proof that we need. Because everything is set up and pushed up and touched up. Just the right pose, just the right filter. It's a lie. But Moses refused to live a lie because he was a man of integrity. And he insisted on being who God made him to be. Despite all of the pressures to the contrary. So here's my question for you, and here's another tough question. But who are you letting determine your identity? Who are you allowing to determine your identity? Is it your friends and family? Your boss? Your kids? Your career? Your colleagues? Maybe you're a young person tonight, and you have parents that have put a lot of pressure on you, and you're still trying to live up to their vision for your life. Maybe you're an adult here tonight and your parents put a lot of pressure on you and you are still trying to live up to their vision for your life. Maybe you have friends that influence you in certain ways that you know aren't healthy, but you're scared of what it might mean to break away from that group. Or maybe you're just trying to keep up with what social media and Hollywood and the culture at large and the competition say you should be. 
But the Bible says our purpose is to please God, not people. So look, if you want to open your future, if you want to access your destiny, the first resolution you need to make is this. I resolve that I will no longer let other people press me into their mold. The first commitment you need to make is this. I'm going to be who God wants me to be. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I'm going to fulfill the plan that God has for my life, not anybody else's plan for my life. And if I don't know what God's plan and purpose for me are yet, then I'm going to commit to finding out what it is. Because real life is not defined by anybody with the last name of Kardashian or Jake or Logan Paul or Miley or Drake or one of the two Justins. Real success, I said this a couple of Sundays ago, real success is defined by God. And it's found in living out your destiny by being exactly who you were created to be. You want to open your future? Forget trying to please everybody. Even Jesus couldn't do that. Commit to being who and what God wants you to be. Now that wasn't too bad, right? Wasn't too bad? Good. Let's take care of some light stuff and get to resolution number two. Resolution number two, you're going to have to choose short-term pain for long-term gain. You're going to have to choose short-term. You want to open your future? You want to walk into your destiny? You're going to have to choose short-term pain for long-term gain. Anybody that's ever played sports knows this one. Jerry Rice sure knows it. You've got to practice and work hard if you want to play in a championship game. You don't just walk out and win a championship. You just don't come in out of the stands and enter the ring and walk away with a title belt. Nobody does that. If you're going to be good at anything, you've got to accept short-term pain in exchange for long-term gain. It's not just true in sports. It's true in academics and education. It's true in finances. It's true in relationships. Look, I've got a pretty good marriage, but y'all, Julia hard to live with sometimes. I'm perfect. But she's a little rough sometimes. I'm working on it. But look, we've had to work at it for years. For years. Good marriages don't come easy. Marriage, like any other relationship, takes work in order to thrive. Why is resolution to tolerate short-term pain for long-term gain important in life? Because like most problems in life, well... Most problems in life come from the inability to delay gratification. Talk to anybody here that's over the age of 40 about the biggest problems they've had in life, and I guarantee you at some point they're going to say, I made a mistake because I got in a hurry. Most of our problems in life come from our inability to delay gratification. Everything in society teaches us to say, I want everything, I want it now, I want it free, and I want it easy. But guess what, Flash? Life don't work like that. It doesn't. Hebrews 11 and 25 says Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses chose to be mistreated. He made a choice. 
to endure short-term pain for the long-term gain of what was to come. And that was the fulfillment of God's plan in his life. Y'all listen to me. You are going to have pain in life. Some of it is unavoidable. There will be disappointments. There will be tragedies. There will be betrayals. There will be losses. Those unpleasant, painful things are just a part of life, and sometimes they can't be avoided. But there are other types of pain that can be avoided. Yes, they can. There are certain types of pain that can be avoided. It's the pain that comes from taking the easy way out. It's called the pain of regret, the pain of poor choices. If you choose the hard thing right now and put in the effort and the discipline to learn, to grow, to become strong and mature, then later in life you will get the benefit from that. So which would you rather? The pain now of delayed gratification or the pain later of regret? You know, Julia and I are benefiting now from decisions that we made whenever we were in our 20s. Didn't have a clue what we were doing, but somehow we got some of it right. Like to not spend more than we made, to finish school, to save when we could, to tithe, to honor God, to put his kingdom first, to remain committed to the kingdom. I'm benefiting right now from decisions I've made to exercise sometimes and not eat all of the bluebell out of the freezer that I want to eat. And look, there's no stop button on me whenever it comes to bluebell ice cream. I can eat the whole bucket, not even blink. Don't ask me how I know that. I'm not miserable right now like some of the people that I know that I graduated with who can't walk from the mailbox, from the couch to the mailbox without a respirator or can't get themselves out of the front seat of their car without a winch and a tow cable. It's because I've made certain decisions. You know what? Discipline can be, I hope this is okay. Discipline can be its own reward sometimes. It really can. You can do the pain of hard things first and you get the greater benefit later or you can enjoy the comfort of the easy things first and keep sucking down boxes of Twinkies at a time and get the pain of regret later. When you choose the short-term pain like Moses did, then you will see God order your steps, arrange your life so that you enjoy a long-term reward. And church, let's keep in mind this earth and what it offers is not necessarily our long-term reward. Now, there are blessings in this life if you live by the principles of Scripture, but this world and everything it has to offer is not necessarily our long-term reward. You want to access your destiny? You want to open your future? Focus on pleasing God, not people. Even Jesus couldn't do that. Choose short-term pain for long-term, over long-term gain. Which would you rather? The pain of delayed gratification or the pain of regret? Resolution number three. It's going to get a little harder. 
Commit to living by your values. Commit to living by your values. Hebrews 11.26 says, Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was, a look, he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses, Moses made a, a third life-shaping resolution in that he chose God's values, not the world's. That's why God was able to use him because Moses made a value judgment and clarified what mattered most to him. Let me ask you, and here's, here's another tough question. I don't know what number of tough questions I'm on. I've lost count. But here's one. What matters most to you in your life? What are the top three or four values in your life? Can you name them easily? And look, I'm not talking below anybody or above anybody. I don't care if you're 14 or 114. I wish somebody would have told me some of these things whenever I was 12 and 13 years old. It would have made my life a little bit easier, and I probably would have avoided some heartache. But if you're still here and breathing air, that means God's not done yet. And you need to know what your values are and what really matters in life. What are your values? Name them. I'll tell you pretty simply what they are for me. And I've got to keep them simple so I can remember. Integrity, humility, and generosity. Now, I copied those from Rick Warren several years ago because they were the best antidotes to the three traps of leadership. Integrity protects you from the lust of the flesh. Generosity protects you from the lust of the eyes. Humility protects you from the pride of life. I like those a lot. So I just took Rick Warren's. It's a good place to start. You don't have to use those. If you know what yours are, but if you don't know what yours are, there you go. There's three pretty good ones. Can you name the three most important values in your life? Faith, family, fitness, friendships. Can you name them? Because if you can't name them, you're not living by them. You're not living by your values if you can't tell somebody what they are. So before you go one more day, I encourage you, I strongly urge you to sit down and ask, what's most important to me? What are the top values in my life? And y'all are going to love this, but you need to write them down. Because until you clarify your values, you can't live by them and nothing's real till you write it down. Moses chose God's values over the world's values. Why is that decision so important? Why is that important to you? Because if you don't decide what's important in your life, then other people are going to decide that for you. They're going to push you into their mold, and you're going to live by their values, not yours. You're going to live by their values and not God's. You've got to decide what's most important to you and live by those values through the small choices you make every day. You know, living by our values rarely happens in some grand, sweeping gesture. Somebody probably isn't going to walk up to you and put a gun to your head 
and say, deny Jesus and your family and walk away from your faith or else. That's probably not going to happen. Instead, living by our values is more often found in the little things we do every day. What I watch, what I listen to, what I spend my money on, what I spend my time doing, the words I choose to say when I'm angry, little choices every day. That's where our values are revealed. You want to access your destiny? Focus on pleasing God, not people. You want to open your future? Choose short-term pain for long-term gain. Which would you rather? The pain of delayed gratification or the pain of regret? You want to live on purpose instead of just drifting and winging it and hoping it'll work out? Then figure out your values and commit to living by them. Clarify what really matters and make the small choices every day that back it up. And here's number four. Resolution number four, choose faith over fear. Choose faith over fear. That's the fourth resolution that Moses made. He chose to live by faith rather than live by fear. We're going to have to face the same choice as well because either we're going to live by faith or we're going to live by fear. The Bible says of Moses in Hebrews eleven twenty seven. it says, by faith, he left Egypt, watch this, not fearing the king's anger. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Moses went to the most powerful man on the planet and said, you know all those slaves that are building your pyramids and your treasure cities? Well, look, I'm taking them and we're all leaving. And we're not going to do what you tell us to do anymore because I'm answering to a higher authority. And God said, let my people go. So, peace out, we're gone. Moses had every reason, every reason to be afraid, to be terrified. He was going up against the most powerful man on the planet. Pharaoh in those days was considered a god by his people. And whatever Pharaoh said to do, that's what you had to do. His word was law. And here comes Moses who says, we're not going to do what you say anymore. I know you've got chariots. I know you've got absolute authority. I know you've got soldiers. I know you can put us to death, but I'm not afraid of you because I report to a higher authority. That's backbone. That's courage. Adult Sunday school class, we talked about living boldly and praying for even greater boldness. That's, that's pretty bold. That's faith. So do you want the same kind of faith that Moses had in your life? So that you can overcome the things that you fear? Well, I've got some great news for you. It can happen. Because the closer you get to God, the more you're going to be filled with faith. The scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You get close to God, close enough to hear what he's saying, and you'll have faith to overcome what you fear. There's another side to that equation, though. The further away you get from God, the more you're going to be filled with fear. You know, the Bible says that whatever is not of faith is sin. That's pretty heavy. Don't raise your hands on this one. Don't answer out loud, but how many times did you sin last week? 
probably a few. I know I did. Because anything I did that wasn't done in faith, but was done in doubt, according to Scripture, was sin. The Bible also says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many times did you please God this past week? Probably a few. I hope I did. So look, do you want something to change in your life? If so, I want to challenge you to stop complaining and start believing. Because God is not moved by complaints. God is moved by faith. Matthew 9.29, Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done. You know, I, I feel like to a degree that's greater than what we often realize or what we want to actually own up to, to a, gre a degree we get to choose what God does in our lives based on what we have faith for. So here's the key. What matters is not the size of your faith. Some days, my faith is mustard seed faith. It's not the size of the faith that matters. It's the size of the God you put that faith in. And a little faith in a big God gets big results. So you want to access your destiny? Focus on pleasing God, not people. You want to open your future? Choose short-term pain for long-term gain. You want to live on purpose instead of drifting. Figure out your values and commit to living by them through the small choices that you make every day. You want to please God and maybe change the world at the same time? Choose faith over fear. Get close to God, close enough to hear him. And you'll have more faith and less fear. That's Bible. So, in conclusion, this evening, I'm going to do something that I very rarely do, and I am going to put you on the spot. I know this has been a little weird. I know it's been a little heavy. It's okay. I know what I'm doing. But I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask that everybody bow your heads. I want you to look around. Of the four resolutions that you heard tonight, I'm asking everybody, just bow your heads. Don't look around. This is, this is a private moment. But of the four resolutions that you heard tonight, which one is God speaking to you about the most? Which one hit home? I wonder if there's anybody here tonight who can say, Jason, I need to commit to being who God wants me to be. I've been trying to be a lot of other people and a lot of other things, but I need to commit to being who he designed me to be. Jason, that one's mine, and I need some help in prayer. If that one's yours, would you raise your hand? Wow, look at that. Thank you. Thank you. God saw. He knows. You can put your hands down. Who else here tonight knows, Jason, I, I really need some discipline in my life. I've been wasting time embracing comfort and the easy way of doing things, but I know that I could be something greater if I would take the short-term pain for the long, in exchange for long-term gain. I'm just having a really hard time making myself do it. But I know I, it would change my life, and I need some help. 
If that one's yours, taking short-term pain for long-term gain, would you raise your hand? Jason, that one spoke to me. Wow. Okay. Who needs to admit, Jason, I have not been living by my values? And I don't even know what they are, really. I just know that there are better ways to live my life, and I need to spend some time figuring out what's really important. But I could really use some guidance and some help. If that one's yours, would you raise your hand? That's awesome. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Who here is willing to say tonight, Jason, I heard what you said about choosing faith over fear. And that one, well, that one's mine. I want to step out. I want to do better things. I want to do greater things. But I've just been afraid to do it. I'm not really sure how to get started. I could use more boldness and confidence in God. If that one's yours, would you raise your hand? Hmm. Look at that. Thank you. And just stay in that posture right now. I, I want you to know that God saw every hand that was raised. He saw everyone. And the first thing I want you to know is there is no condemnation in Christ. As a matter of fact, he's proud of you. He looks on you with great love, great compassion, and great pride. And he wants to help you with that thing you raised your hand about. He's waiting and ready and willing to help. So I know it's a little weird on a Wednesday night, but could we take just a few minutes right where you are? I'm not asking you to come to the front. I'm just going to ask you right where you are. Spend a little bit of time talking to him. Lord, you saw and you know. I know this, is, this, has, been a, this has been a different one, Lord. It, it's, it's, it's bothered me, but I, I know what your word said to me. Lord, there are things that we can do, things that we can control that will open up our lives to the plan that you have for us. It's not all just luck and being in the right place at the right time or having the right connections. God, there are choices that we can make that position us to be who you designed us to be. So, Lord, I'm just going to ask you, for every hand that was raised, help them. Help them. Lord, if they need to make choices about foregoing things that are easy so that they can embrace something that's greater. God, if they need to choose faith over the fear that's held them back from doing things in your kingdom. Lord, if they need to define what their values are. Lord, I pray that you would help them, point them to resources, give them a word. Lord, if they've been allowing themselves to be defined by other people instead of by you, then, Lord, I pray that you would help them to break out of that mold and embrace the purpose and plan that you have made for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Wednesday night Bible study. God bless you, Grace Church. You are dismissed. We'll see you Sunday.